Welcome to the Hope Beyond Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Rhoda Hostetler. There are literally millions of listening options out there, but today you chose this one. I hope whichever episode you're about to hear gives you something worthwhile to think about and a greater ability to love. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, hello, and this is going to be probably the least fun episode I've ever recorded because it is my goodbye episode, and I don't know that I will ever come back to podcasting. I have really, really enjoyed this podcasting journey. I've learned a lot, and so this episode is just a review of some things I've learned, some behind the scenes, and where I'm going forward. So, some things I've learned. I have learned that you kind of need to stay true to your experiences and your walk in order to convey a message well. And yet, if you stay so in touch, like there needs to be a, a time gap between what you're currently experiencing and what you're publicly discussing, or it becomes a thing of processing in public, that which is more healthily processed in private. So for that, I simply began to keep notes of topics that I thought would be of interest because they were of interest to me um, or because I saw them being discussed in the survivor community. And I would put those at the bottom of the list of topics I wanted to discuss. And then as time went on, I would visit the list and say, you know, that topic seemed really important right when I was going through it, but it's really not going to be that beneficial. I'm going to remove it. So I learned, I learned how to have a public voice that is grounded in um, realism and is somewhat candid and yet not uh, overtly current, not, not too raw, if that makes sense. This was especially helpful when I did the episode on church stuff because church stuff has not been easy for me. Um, And it would have been very easy to process more of it publicly than what I needed to. I wrote and edited and edited and re-edited those episodes more times than what I care to remember. I learned that I am not alone and that you all are not alone. There is there is a huge community out there and I wish groups like Barna Surveys would pick up on it. There is a huge community of people out there who um, still their, their, their eyes light up. They, they find joy in sitting in a living room discussing scripture face-to-face with other believers and this same group of people that is so passionate about discussing scripture in tiny groups are terrified of church and when I hear their stories I do not have it in me to tell them that if you were a real Christian you would get yourself through those doors I, I know there is truth in the thought that as, and I've, I think I said this one on the church episode, that 
as Christ draws us to himself, he also draws us towards other people who are following him. Think of Jesus as this huge magnet hovering over a carpet and some metal safety pins begin to be drawn up to the magnet. We are the safety pins and we are not only drawn up to the magnet, in the process of coming up to the magnet, we are also being drawn closer to one another. And so there, there is this, this reality in that, that believers do tend to gravitate towards other believers, but there is also a reality that the Western church right now is not doing that well. And when you look at how long we have loved power, um, and I'm, I read Diane Langberg's book, Redeeming Power, not long ago. When you hear all of the different ways and you see all of the different ways that the church has loved power over the small person, would you, I I just, I, I don't think we can argue that it's entirely the problem of those who have difficulty coming into the building. Um, I think there is a, a significant group of people who are spiritually homeless and that their cure for spiritual homelessness is not to shame them for not being able to overcome their fears. I think the cure, imagine a church that had a penitent posture, a church that was willing to hear how they hurt somebody. Imagine that that was the American church as a whole. I really hope that this podcast helped to um, help help church people to see those people who are on the fringes more clearly and to be a little less hesitant to just write them off as people who don't even really love God. It's a very, very callous thing to expect someone to go through sexual violence domestic violence emboldened by religion and look at them and go, you know what, if you were a Christian, you would just put up with it. You would just find your way back into church, even if. Um, That's a a really cold and callous position to take, and I I can't take it. I can't sign off on that entirely. Um, I do think that as Christians who are suffering as a result of the church's sins against us, we will find ourselves in this tension of being finding ourselves pushed away from church and yet also that pull back towards other believers. Um, it's it's a, a difficult place to be in. Um, I learned a few more things, such as good standards, good guidelines to have for public speech. So when I was getting ready to relaunch this podcast, I sat down with um, my pastor who um, leads our community group and I asked him what his thoughts were because he has this annoying gift of wisdom. Like he just ends up always being right, not in an arrogant way, just in a, he really, he really has unusual wisdom. And so I decided to ask his opinion and he said, well, he would be really hesitant putting anything on the internet that hasn't had a filter of another person looking it over just just to make it better. And he went through some reasons for that. And that was why I brought Connie on and ran my ideas 
uh, through her, ran some verbiage related stuff through her. Um, I would send her the typed version of most of what I recorded. I didn't send her the forgiveness episode simply because life got busy for both her and I. Um, but for almost everything, to have that extra set of eyes and ears was amazing. Um, I can take a very negative and pessimistic view of repentance for abusers. I just have not seen, I've seen deception more clearly than I've seen repentance. And Connie balanced that out. Uh, we were discussing this. It ended up being a, an episode that we ended up not doing, but I wish I could have captured her passion and her verbiage at the same time because it was her voice that should have been on the air for that one. We were talking about punitive justice, restorative justice, how restorative justice gets gets things wrong when it focuses on restoring the individual who wronged the other person rather than restoring the community as a whole, restoring relationships, taking all people into consideration. And she very passionately says, Rhoda, I wish, and I'm going to get her verbiage wrong here. She says, I wish that there was someone who was called and gifted with walking offenders to repentance. I wish there was someone who could convey mercy to them in a way that wasn't enablement. And to work with someone who has that deep well of mercy, um, to work with her these past several months has been amazing for me. Some behind the scenes, um, some messages I got. I'm going to keep identifying details away from here, keep things vague because I don't want to um, come close to revealing anybody's identity here. I got a couple messages, more than a couple. There were, yeah, a handful of messages while the podcast was paused from people who had found it or had found my stuff online and were really, really helped by it. And these these were people who were in that, um, can I say, the, the spiritually homeless phase where they love Jesus and they're drawn towards other believers, but they're also pushed away from the church because of crimes and horrible, horrible things that went on in their church experiences. And um, there were a couple of you who either came to Christ because of, in part because of the public work here, or who found the courage to find a small group, find a body of believers in your area. Um, I had the immense privilege of helping one of you find a church home, and it happened to be in a location that I was somewhat familiar with. Um, I had some acquaintances in that area and I happened to be traveling anyways and so the one weekend that my travels took me in that area I spent that weekend helping somebody find a church home and I reached out I, I checked the church out online as much as I could like check their statement of faith listen to a number of their sermons on some really sensitive issues to make sure that they were putting great care into being accurate and being compassionate and 
when everything online, which can be a mirage, but when everything online checked out, then I went ahead and I recommended that church as a potential church, like a church worth visiting to see what my friend thought of it. And they knew, they knew we were coming, but we, we got there and, um, when we sat down to have a conversation with the pastor and um, like a, a female who was, she was leader over some women's ministries, I believe. Um, that conversation became a conversation that was more than just a podcast work conversation. It, it really felt like a conversation where God knew I needed to be the listener in that conversation. So I, I asked questions about like are is your church dealing with any lawsuits in regards to abuse cases because it's not that that would be a deal breaker it would be a huge red flag and if a church was dealing with a lawsuit as a result of an abuse case my next question would have had to be so what are you learning from this like is it I mean a church can be dealing with a lawsuit because a former minister or you know someone 20 30 years ago whatever so it wouldn't have been an automatically do not go thing but it would be it would it would raise more questions so I asked that um because it was a church that I didn't recognize immediately as being well connected with other churches I asked about accountability structures and leadership structures and we got done and the preacher looked at me and this is where I I was not expecting this. He very passionately proceeded to tell me how this thing of trauma survivors finding church and finding the capacity to learn to trust church again looks from his perspective. And nothing in his sermons, nothing in his demeanor nothing pegged him as being an overbearing or an ungracious person. This was a person who, as far as I can tell, is in favor of the oppressed. He, like his interpretation of scripture even was, Jesus came to give freedom. How can I know that and turn a blind, turn, turn a blind eye to abuse? He says this way, he says, sometimes he started by thanking me. He said, thank you so much for coming and being healthy enough to be honest and have this conversation up front. And I immediately thought of all the ways I'm not healthy, or at least some of the ways I'm not healthy. But he was the one talking, so he continued. He said, so often abuse survivors come in here and we can tell that something is not is not going on. He said, often we'll know like part of their story. We'll know that something is limiting their ability to trust us, but they just won't talk. He said, they just won't ask us the questions that they're really asking. They just won't open up. And somewhere in there, I kind of laughed and I held my hand up and I stopped him and I said, you should know, like I, I changed churches not that long ago. And when I came into my current church, I did not have this sit down upfront conversation. So like you're saying I'm so healthy because I had that conversation. No, go on basically. And he went on 
he said, yeah, he said, often they, that's how it happens. They come in and they don't talk and we know something's going on and we want to help them and we have what we could to help them. We have Jesus, like he is the comforter, he is the healer and we have him and we want to help them find him and understand how he can heal and how he can comfort them and we can't help them understand how good Jesus is because they're not letting us see what's really going on. And to hear, to hear the passion, it that conversation was October of last year. This is, I'm recording it in June of 2022. So not a full year in between, eight months in between. And I still remember that conversation very clearly. Um, I, I left that feeling so sheepish, but also encouraged because there are good pastors out there who want freedom for their people, both freedom from abuse and also freedom from the mistrust, freedom from the fear, freedom from the um, hyper-independence, the I will just deal with this myself attitude. They, they want to carry the burdens of those who have been abused and they want to carry them well those pastors are out there. I wish there was a shortcut to recognizing them. I wish we didn't have to deal with this thing of imposters in the church, but that has been a 2000 year problem. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Um, that was a pivotal conversation. And that was one of those conversations that I, I just had to sit with for a long time. It didn't belong on air. I didn't need to get my podcast mic out and record that right away. But that was one of the behind the scenes conversations. Um, more behind the scenes stuff. When I relaunched the podcast, I decided I'm only going to relaunch it if I have a parameter around what I will and will not say, like some guidelines for my speech. And part of that was because I was listening to the Mars Hill, Mark Driscoll um, podcast and realizing just how quickly speech can become destructive and how insidious it can be when it's mixed with religion. And as someone who had a public platform or has a public platform with a podcast, I wanted to make sure that my speech was healthy. So I prayed and sat down and, um, started typing and here's, here are some things. I'm not going to read everything, but, um, one, for example, um, allow my healthy affection for church to come through and also my compassion for doubters, deconstructors, and atheists to come through. Um, sometimes we can put people into camps and put stereotypes on them that are really unhelpful and forget that it is possible to sincerely and genuinely understand and care for people in both sides. Um, when discussing abuse, speak the truth without exaggeration and without minimization. That's actually one that has been an advocacy rule of mine for a long time. Exaggeration undermines the work and is unnecessary. Minimization aids the wicked. Um, another one I have is do not use the podcast to discuss issues with in real life relationships including former churches. And this one I, is a rule that I would not put 
on every advocate because if every advocate said, I will not discuss private things publicly, then there would never be people who come forward with issues like what we're seeing happen with the SBC or uh, with, like, truth would never be able to come out in a public way. There is a time and place to publicly rebuke certain people before all so that others may fear. But for the purposes of the podcast, I felt it was best to stick with that rule. Um, some An unspoken assumption that I have written down here is that hope is contagious, as is faith. And so um, I was going to do less telling you all to hope and choose to believe and more letting the hope I have and the faith I do have show up and then invite others to step into it. Here's one I have that I'll probably stick with in other forms of advocacy work moving forward. The best contribution I have to some conversations is my pair of ears. I have here, do not speak on domestic violence, racism, or PSR, the pornographic style of relating, without having an interview. So I interviewed uh, Andrew and Sarah on some of these issues because I know that those are not my strong suits. Um, Another one, if I can show church people that their faith is not threatened by listening to people in pain, that alone will shift the church side of the conversation towards compassion. Another one, resign if I have to choose between the podcast or family, um, or if I have to choose between the podcast or my local church. Um, Resign if I know I'm coping poorly to the point of harming others regularly or knowingly. So those were just a few, and it it really is a long list, um, but those were just a few parameters around my speech that I felt were really helpful to think through and move forward, and um, it it helped to keep this podcast, I think, healthier. Um, Moving forward, and this, this is also where I'll explain why I'm walking away from the podcast. I have said yes to so many things over the years. And whenever one more new thing came up, I simply decided I'm going to shift my life a little bit and make room for this new thing. And it got to the point where I was simply saying yes to way too much. And because I've been a believer for a long time and because some of those um, unhealthy habits have been addressed, um, especially in the past year, like before relaunching the podcast, the one habit that was really an unhealthy waste of my time, really, I that one was addressed before I relaunched. It's not like I'm, you know, selling drugs 10 hours out of the week. And so in order to keep the podcast going, I'm just going to stop selling drugs and do the podcast instead because that's not part of my life. The only things I have to cut out of my life in order to create more space for my personal relationships, the only thing I can cut are good things. Like this podcast is a good thing. I enjoyed this podcast, but it is time to go. It is time to focus more deeply on family relationships, on my long-term goals over my short-term pleasures. Um, I am hopefully going to be accepted. I don't know yet. I hopefully I'm going to be accepted into a PhD program. And just the act of getting everything together to get accepted, making sure that I, you know, that application looks as great as possible going in, that requires time. And um, 
it's it's the thing of yes that that is an issue of long term versus short term and um i have to say i have to say no to something um right now i am in a season of rest from advocacy i've really really cut down on the advocacy information i'm taking in cut down on what i'm saying in public um just so that I can rest and find some um, some mental space to do the work that I do really well. In this season of rest, I'm also thinking of what I will say yes to when I come out of it. And right now it looks like I will be doing some research when I come out of the season of rest. And I can't, like research is something I have not been doing. So I can't say yes to research my life is just going to be way too full if I say yes to research without saying no to something else. So moving forward, you can expect to see less of me online. And yet when you do, hopefully it will be stuff that really um, moves the needle long term in the right direction. So research stuff, I also want to get involved with um, some ladies who are working to read through the materials associated with Jay Adams and his counseling method. There's some stuff in there that is a little bit true and some stuff that is just really, really, really false. And there's a few of us that want to look at that and address that because that is a very widespread counseling method within Christianity. I'm not currently working on that at the moment, um, but that is something that I want to commit to as I come out of this season of rest. So moving forward, will I ever come back to the podcast? Possibly, but only if I can say yes, a a good strong yes to my family and my local relationships, a good strong yes to my long-term goals, and also still have a little bit of time to come on and do this, which is doubtful. So I really don't want to get your hopes up. I don't want to say, you know, I will be back in January when I probably won't. Um, it, it is possible, but it is a slim possibility. That said, um, I will still be active in some capacity. Um, I still strongly believe that there is a large group of people who are um, spiritually homeless and hurting and that they're there's a gap between the religious community and the people that they have harmed and that um, we need more more people to stand in that gap and to um, help the religious community understand how to be deeply compassionate and also help those who have been harmed to um, know how to relate well to religious people and how to process some of the spiritual abuse. I still think that there is room for so much more work to be done here. Um, I'm not ending the podcast for lack of material. I, when I relaunched it, I had a year's worth of episodes planned and I'm just walking away from it, um, because I need to rest and I need to be very careful what I give my yes to so that I can give a good, strong yes to it. So that's that. I'm sorry to be leaving in a sense and that I will miss this podcast. I will miss the interactions with you all. Um, and yet there's a lot of peace in knowing that this is what is healthiest for me 
and also what is healthiest for the work long term is to choose the long term high quality work over um, even the things that I really enjoyed like this podcast so goodbye Thank you so much for your time today. Please find the Hope Beyond Trauma Facebook page or Facebook group and begin to interact with other listeners and myself there. I try to pay attention to audience discussion in order to meet needs or to answer questions. So your interactions there can help to guide future episodes. I hope you leave today's episode encouraged, hopeful, and thinking about ways to love people well in your off-screen life.